how you use your words in your home with your family is probably the number one impact on if you are a wise woman building up a godly and happy home or a foolish woman accidentally tearing it all apart with your own hands. Or if I could paraphrase there for Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, a foolish woman tearing it all apart with her own lips. Our words are so important. Your words matter. And in this episode of the Love Your People Well podcast, we are going to continue our deep dive into Proverbs 14, looking at how to be a wise woman building up her home and how to avoid being a foolish woman tearing it down. And we're going to take a look at, I really would argue, the number one thing that impacts if your home life is happy and peaceful and calm or if everyone's just kind of surviving or getting things done and just not quite clicking in the way that you want. We are going to take a look at how to use our words specifically to be encouraging to our people, to build them up, to build intimacy, to build their self-confidence and their their own ability to communicate well with the people around them. Your words have a huge impact on the people that you love. And so I hope you will (laughs) buckle in with me for hopefully an encouraging conversation today as we take a look at how to use our words to build up a happy and godly Christian home. Are you ready, friend? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast. We're here to build healthy, happy, and holy family relationships. I'm Jess, a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe God creates us for relationships, relationship with him and with each other. So if you want to build a strong marriage, connect with your kids, find peace and purpose at the end of those crazy days, and keep Jesus at the center of it all, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. Well, friend, we have come to the topic of our words and how we use our words in our home to encourage and build up and bring joy to our family life. We have come to this topic after already looking at some of the really key ingredients that have to be in place if we are going to use our words in an encouraging and helpful way. We have already taken a look at some of those internal characteristics Um, habits that help us hold on to a godly mindset and how to keep a positive attitude when we might be feeling a little discouraged or frustrated. Um, We've started to look at some practical things we do in our homes. We apologize. We intentionally have fun together and have quality time together. And if these things are not in place, it's going to be really difficult to use your words well in your home. I'm not saying you wouldn't try, and I'm not saying you wouldn't be successful, maybe even many days, (laughs) but I do think that you're going to eventually struggle with your words and specifically with making them encouraging and helpful 
if you don't have a godly mindset or you're struggling with your attitude or you're not really having a lot of quality time together, those are core components through which our words come. I mean, the way Jesus describes it um, is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. So if the overflow of your heart is a grumbling attitude and a lack of forgiveness and you know, you maybe have rock star routines, but not a lot of quality fun time, that overflow of your heart is not going to be words of consistent encouragement and and hope and love and joy and all of the things that we want our words to be. As we jump into this conversation, I will, of course, remind you of my disclaimer that I am a licensed therapist but I'm not your therapist and this is not professional advice. It is encouragement and information and educational. And I will also remind you, of course, that we have a really great website, loveyourpeoplewell.com with a ton of great resources. There's actually an entire page about communication with some freebies and devotionals and other blog posts and episodes there. Um, So that would be a really great place to start if you're really wanting to go deeper into how you are using your words. Now, I do want to start this conversation about our words by taking a look at at the context surrounding our words. Okay, so I already mentioned about the importance of our mindset, our perspective, our attitude, things like that. But we also really have to be intentional about the nonverbals and like the overall atmosphere of our home in which our words are coming out. Because while you have control over the words that are coming out of your mouth, you also have to be mindful that your nonverbals are going to match and support if you are trying to be encouraging or, you know, whatever, you're trying to really communicate with your words. And you need to know the atmosphere that your words are being spoken into. Okay. So like if someone in your family, let's just imagine your husband has had a really hard day at work. He got a lot of maybe negative feedback from his boss and his employees just weren't really listening that well. And, you know, it's just a frustrating day, a difficult day. You might communicate something that really is kind of a neutral comment like a little reminder about a chore that needs to be done, or even just a question, you know, hey, how was your day? And he might take that differently than you intended because of the context there, because of the atmosphere of what has been going on in his world. So we can't always control that part of it, what's going on for other people, how they might um, be inclined on that particular day in that particular moment, to receive our words. We can't control that. But if we are aware of that, well, then we can shape our words or choose our words more intentionally so that they actually are encouraging or clear or, um, you know, they're, they're really just what we want them to be. And when we think about on our side, the nonverbals, that really is just as important as the actual words that come out of our mouths. So you're going to want to be mindful of your tone of voice. 
your volume. How loud are you? Um, you're going to want to be intentional about your pacing. Are you talking, you know, really fast and kind of have a frantic feel to the way that you're speaking? Or are you talking slowly and calmly? And you're going to want to think about things like your eye contact or even just what are you looking toward? Are you looking at the person or are you looking at your phone? Is everyone looking together at the TV? <laughs> like, what are you looking at? Are you making eye contact? That has a lot to do with are the words that you're choosing to use actually having the desired effect of being encouraging and helpful and building people up. And with that, as you think about the atmosphere of the home and, um, and, and the nonverbals that you're bringing out there, we do actually have some earlier episodes that might be helpful there. Um, back in episode 71, we talked about the three keys to healthy communication in every interaction. And back in episode 76, we talked about being passive aggressive or more specifically how to stop being passive aggressive and how to express yourself in a healthy way with your husband and with your kids. So episode 71, 76, you can find those right here in your podcast app. You can find those on the website, in the blog, but those are other pieces that really go a little deeper into some of the nonverbals and how you approach conversation and communication with your people. So um, we, we always have to have that in mind, but let's take a look at five I'm sorry, not five, let me count correctly, six. <laughs> Let's take a look at six biblical um, specifics about how a wise woman is going to use her words to build up her home. And then after we talk through these six biblical, um, uh, I don't know if commands are quite the right words, more like biblical principles or illustrations, um, really, it's just six Bible verses, and we will talk about what we can pull out from that for how we use our words with our home, uh, with our family, with our husband and our kids, and of course, beyond that, with our neighbors and and our pastors and our friends and all the people. Um, but then after we talk through that, I do want us to take a few minutes then to take a look together at what is the impact. I I almost went there at the beginning of our conversation today. Um, but that's probably because I am a counselor. And so I work with people day in and day out dealing with the fallout of families not using their words very well. Sometimes that's intentional. Most of the time it is not. That is a biblical principle straight out of the book of James. I think it's chapter three, all about how hard it is to control our tongue our emotions get the best of us. We're just, you know, focusing on making our point or winning the argument, or we let our feelings dictate what we say. And it can have a really sad impact on our families. And so we will close up our conversation today looking at the powerful and positive impact that your words are going to have on your family. I'm not going to say that they could have, because as we live out these six Bible verses we're going to talk about, you will, by almost by default, you will have a positive and powerful effect on your family life. 
But of course, if we are not living these things out, if we are struggling with this, well, now we're entering that territory of the foolish woman who is, I think, unintentionally tearing down her home. So let's start out with Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, which tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And we can see the difference right here between a wise woman and a foolish woman and how they are using their words. When you speak to your husband and your kids, and even, let's be honest, to yourself in your own head, maybe you're looking in the mirror, or maybe you're just having those thoughts, are they positive or negative? Are your words a gentle answer or are they harsh? If we want to build up a happy home life, we need to have way more gentle words than harsh words. And I think for every family, this looks a little bit different just because of personalities and like your family culture. Some families are a lot louder than other families. And so if your family tends to be kind of really loud and boisterous, you know, gentleness might still be loud. Like this does not necessarily mean that your volume is changing or the way overall kind of that tone and atmosphere in the home, that doesn't have to change. But the words that you choose to speak should convey gentleness instead of harshness. And one of the biggest things that gets in the way of this is our emotions which of course it says right here in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you're already feeling frustrated or angry or impatient, it will take more intentionality and more willpower to give the gentle answer instead of the harsh word. But by God's grace, it is definitely possible. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He never, ever, ever gives a harsh word. And so if you find yourself struggling with some really heavy, big emotions, that's probably a good time to go a little slower in choosing your words and you know deciding what you want to communicate. Maybe you need to take a little break to cool down. Maybe you need to pray, whether that's that the quick three-second prayer or sneaking away for three minutes. Oh, hey, I have to go to the bathroom and you can just pray and and take a few deep breaths. But you need to do whatever you need to do so that your emotions don't lead you toward harsh words because that's only going to make things worse. It basically never is going to put things back on track in the right direction. So Proverbs 15 shows us if we want to use encouraging words, we want to use our words well, we need to aim toward gentleness rather than harshness and recognize the power of our emotions, both to influence our word choice, but also be influenced by the words that we choose. Are we turning away, uh, turning away wrath or stirring up anger. Now let's look at Ephesians 4.29. And this is actually one of my all-time favorite Bible verses. And what this one tells us is, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's Ephesians 4.29. And again, I think we see a very clear, like almost like a black and white between how a wise woman chooses her words and how a foolish woman is choosing her words. Are the words coming out of your mouth wholesome or unwholesome? Now, yes, some words are going to be very obvious. Like there are curse words that are going to be unwholesome. But I really like how this verse extends that to then include really the only words that you want to come out of your mouth are the words that are going to be helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. I know that it is sometimes really easy to talk just for the sake of talking. If there's awkward silence, or maybe if you're worried, like if you're worried about what's going on, maybe for your kids or for your husband, like sometimes we just find ourselves talking and it's not unwholesome. It's not bad. It's not cursing or name calling or something, something obviously wrong, but it's also maybe not necessarily helpful. It's not necessarily meeting the needs of that person in that moment. And so I think this is a really helpful encouragement for us as we choose our words. If we really do want them to be encouraging and helpful, we need to know what's going on for this person at this moment. What would be helpful for this person in this conversation? What would actually benefit my child my husband, whoever it is I'm talking to, as they listen to what it is that I'm going to say. So it's not really just enough to avoid the bad coming out of our mouths. That That's obviously an important starting point. But if you really want to kick it up a notch and use your words well, you're going to be intentional to use the words that are helpful for building them up not just according to what you feel like might be going on, but whatever their actual needs are at that moment. I find myself thinking about this verse a lot when I interact with my toddlers and their emotions are really big or they're like fighting over a toy or something is going on. There's a lot of things I could say at that moment that might be good, but if I can actually try to figure out what are their needs at this moment? And how do I speak into that? I mean, I might be able to just hop in and tell them what to do. Okay, I'm going to take away the Legos or you had it first, so you get to keep it or you're going to go to a timeout or, you know, I could respond in all sorts of ways. But if my actual goal there, if the actual need that they have is to build, let's say their own skill for managing frustration Or maybe we really are emphasizing working on that natural bent of selfishness. Well, now that is going to shape the words that I use. I could just step in and say, okay, I'm taking it away, or this is how we're going to handle it. And sometimes that's what I do because that's what we need at that moment. But other times we really need to have a conversation about why it is that you're acting the way that you are, or we really need to have a specific Um, you know, apology happen from kid A to kid B. There are different things they need in that moment. And if I just step in with whatever feels easiest or is going to get the quickest solution for what I want, which is please stop yelling at each other. Please stop 
pulling at each other or whatever. Um, you know, if I'm responding from this is what I want or what's going to be quickest, that's not necessarily bad, but that also is not necessarily what is most helpful to build them up according to their needs. So this is a really helpful Bible verse to direct us in how we use our words. All right, number three here is James chapter one, verse 26, which says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, there might not be a more clear verse in the Bible about the power of the tongue or specifically the words that we use. And this verse always makes me think of actually a different verse in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, maybe 2 Corinthians, but I think the 1 Corinthians where um, it mentions about how basically those who think they are standing firm need to be careful that they don't fall. And, and that connects for me because I think it's so easy for us to finally start feeling like, okay, I am growing spiritually. I've got this maturity thing going on. <laughs> like the Lord is working. I see him working. We see his goodness. We might be experiencing a lot of blessing, a lot of fruit, a lot of prosperity and peace. And when that happens, it is very easy to start loosening our tongue. Among other things, we just tend to stop paying as close of attention to, am I getting my daily time with the Lord? Am I confessing and praising and praying? Am I being intentional in my marriage, in my parenting, in you know how I'm talking to myself inside my own head? It's very easy to stop um, really worrying about or focusing on that tight rein on the tongue how are my emotions leading me right now? How are my preferences leading me right now? What is the overflow of my heart that's going to speak out of my mouth? It's easy to loosen up on that if we're feeling pretty good about what things are like for us spiritually or even just relationally with our family. And I really, I mean, obviously this is a very bold verse telling us that our religion is worthless if we consider ourselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on our tongue. And so it really just speaks home to that continual, ongoing intentionality. Doesn't mean that if we mess up sometimes, we suddenly like our salvation is in question or our family relationships are going to fall apart. You know, we all are going to mess things up sometimes. But if we are intentional about it, if we are monitoring what we're saying and we're trying to use our words specifically in, in ways that are encouraging and helpful, well, now we're going to stay closer on the right path. So that was James chapter 1, verse 26. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 is our next verse here, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What a wonderful list that should describe the words that we are using. Our words should be compassionate. Our words should be kind. 
They should show humility and gentleness, and they should express patience. And I know that Colossians chapter 3 is not specifically talking about our words. It's really talking about the overall um, tone of our relationships, of how we interact with one another. But one of the biggest ways that we interact with each other is through our words. So this is a really helpful, um, almost like a little test that we can give ourselves to evaluate our words. Are they actually compassionate and kind and gentle? Am I responding to my toddler's whining with words that show patience? Hmm, that, that might, uh, yeah, ask me how I know that that is sometimes a struggle. <laughs> Am I maybe responding to a failure on my husband's part where he messed something up, but am I responding with words that show my own humility? This is not always easy. It It's hopefully easy on those good days when everyone's in a great mood and you're all getting along and everyone's laughing and no one is doing anything annoying. Well, it's probably pretty easy then to be gentle and kind and compassionate. But when you feel like you're at the end of your rope? When people have been picking at each other all day? When things are just not going the way you want them to? We still can choose words that are compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patience. And well, and showing patience. (laughs) Words that are patient with a T. As God's chosen people. And that really is where this comes from. Because again, we go back to Jesus's um, assertion for us that our words come from the overflow of our heart. And if our heart is filled with the Holy Spirit, if our heart is filled with, with a deep certainty and knowledge that we are holy and dearly loved by the Lord, well, at that point, it's going to be much easier for the words to flow that actually are compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Now, the next verse I want to talk about is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which actually tells us what to think about, um, but that's going to directly lead what we talk about. And so this verse says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, yes, you could easily paraphrase that a bit and close it out by saying, speak about such things, communicate about such things. And that definitely, I think, is an appropriate takeaway from this verse. Not only should we think about things that are true and pure and praiseworthy, but we should talk about things that are true and pure and praiseworthy. But it really is also true, and this is a a piece that we need to go home with, is that what we think about is going to overflow into what we talk about. If all you can think about is how frustrated you are with your toddler's misbehavior, Your words are not going to be true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. You might be able to grit your teeth and say the right thing, but are those nonverbals that we talked about a few minutes ago, are those nonverbals going to show 
what you really want them to show. If your thoughts are not focused on these good and beautiful things, your words are not going to communicate a good and beautiful attitude. If you want your words to be encouraging, they need to be true. And they need to come from thoughts that are true. They need to be lovely, a choice of lovely words, praiseworthy words, talking about things that are right and good and admirable. But you also need to be thinking about and dwelling on the things that are lovely and right and admirable. And then the final verse I want us to close out with is Psalm 138 verses 1 through 2. And this verse says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. And my friend, as we think about how to use our words in our home in a way that is wise and that you know encourages people and makes us happy and brings peace to our homes, then our words need to include praising the Lord, singing his praises, talking about who he is and what he has done. If we never talk about the gospel together, we don't share scripture together, we don't pray together. If that's going on 100% just inside your own head as a purely personal thing, and it's not impacting what you talk about with your family, what you think about and focus on with your family, then your words are not going to be as encouraging as you want them to be. And your home life is not going to be as happy or fulfilling as you want it to be. And so, yes, we want to think about how we talk to our people. Are we showing gentleness and compassion and um, speaking about things that are encouraging and lovely and admirable? But also, are words that are just more generally used. They're maybe not to someone or about someone you're just talking about. What's for dinner? Or what did you do today? Or, you know, where should we go on vacation next year? Anything that you're talking about. It should hold within it biblical truth, gospel encouragement, and it should specifically praise the Lord or share gratitude about what God has done. It should all be securely under the umbrella of ultimately praising God and living in light of his unfailing love and his faithfulness. So before we wrap up by taking a look together at the incredible impact of our words, how your choices to speak in this way are going to impact your kids, going to impact your marriage, going to impact your home, Um, Let me just recap what we talked about here. So the Bible verses that we talked about are Proverbs 15.1, Ephesians 4.29, James 1.26, Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8, and Psalm 138.1 and 2. And we talked generally about choosing gentleness rather than harshness, speaking in ways that build others up according to their needs, trying to meet their needs at that moment being continually intentional about monitoring what we're saying, keeping that rain on our tongue, speaking in ways that overflow from our salvation and security in the Lord, overflowing into compassion and kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience, focusing our thoughts as well as our words on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, and keeping all of our words under the umbrella of praising God, living in light of his love and his faithfulness, showing gratitude to him, just everything we say should be praising and glorifying and honoring to the Lord. So let's um, let's just pause there and consider together the incredible impact of our words. And we are actually going to have a quick um, devotional tomorrow um, for our Patreon community and the Faith Fiverr Club and our private podcast there. We will talk about some really specific ways to impact your husband and your kids with your words. Um, you know, I, I like to give kind of here's some specific uh, script or how to of doing these things. Um, but we always are going to need that motivation and that encouragement ourselves. How do I be intentional about my words, even on those days when like, I'm just not feeling it, or you're really driving me crazy today, or, you know, it's just not what we want it to be. We need to remember that our words as moms and as wives has a direct influence on the confidence that our kids have and the confidence that our husband has in who they are, in their value and their worth And our words lead toward, are we kind of empowering them, sending them out into the world to do good and wonderful things? Or are we tearing them down to go out into the world and try to find validation and encouragement out there, which is probably not going to be as biblical and good and holy as you might hope. Your words have a huge influence on how confident your people feel, how valued they feel, you know, do they come to you, come to your home, come to your family for that filling up and that encouragement? Or do they feel like I need to go to social media? I need to go to my school. I need to go to my coworkers. I need to go to other people if I want to be built up, if I want to be encouraged. That is not good. That is not right. That is not holy. But that is what's going to happen That is a natural human response if we have this ongoing pattern in our homes where our words are not encouraging and uplifting and gentle and patient and all the things that we talked about. The impact of your words is huge on how those people who you talk to every day, or at least you could and should and hopefully are talking to every day, how they think about themselves and interact with the world. But there are other um, really powerful ways that words impact our family. Um, It brings comfort and encouragement, obviously. We all need that, especially on a hard day. And our words can be really protective. They can help protect our kids and our husbands from negative thoughts and hard emotions. Like if I mean, we all have those moments where we're thinking like, wow, I really screwed that up. I really messed that up. I wish I hadn't done that. Is that going to be their train of thought? Or is mom's gentle and compassionate voice going to speak in at that moment, reminding them, okay, yeah, you messed something up. That's okay. We can come back from that. We can confess. 
and turn around and go the other direction, your words are going to create their own internal dialogue. I see this time and time again in the counseling room, young adults, especially trying to work through painful pieces of their sense of identity or how they talk to themselves that have built up from years of non-encouraging words in their home. Now, obviously, sometimes that is quite severe and sometimes it's more subtle, but I have seen again and again the impact that a parent's words have on how a child grows up to not only think about themselves and how they interact with the world, but just where their their mind goes. Does it go to a negative place or a positive place? And along with that, our words influence how do our kids learn to manage emotions. We have an opportunity to give them an emotional vocabulary to show them how to handle hard, big emotions without yelling, without screaming, without cursing. Now you might struggle with that. Like I get that. It's not to say that we can just flip a switch and all of a sudden this is easy. But even if your kids get to watch you wrestle with that and pray about that and confess that and work on growth in that area, that has a huge impact. And then the last thing I want to highlight for the incredible impact that your words have on your kids and your husband is that your words are going to be probably the biggest building block in strengthening intimacy and connection. If you are not using your words well, you will not have great intimacy with your husband. Your kids will not feel super connected with you, especially as they get older. You will not have the relationships that you want. And you do not have to always use your words perfectly to have intimacy and connection, but you need to be intentional about it. You need to choose to speak in a way that is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately that is healthy and holy because that is how we come out on the other end with happy relationships. So these are not the only ways that our words impact our family, but they are some of the big ones that I have seen time and time again, especially in the counseling room. And I want you to have wonderful relationships with your people, to enjoy family life and have a happy home. And your words are one of the best, quickest, most powerful, not necessarily easiest, but incredibly important ways of getting there. Now, if you're curious for kind of the flip side of this, make sure to subscribe to the podcast because on Friday in our faith follow-up, we're going to take a look at 10 ways that a foolish woman would use her words and tear down her family life, her home life. And so sometimes that's kind of a fun way to think about it is, uh, well, uh, at least I'm not doing these things. And so definitely circle back with us Friday to hear just a few insights of real ways that people do foolishly, hopefully accidentally, um, tear down their people. We can learn from the do not list, just like we can learn from the things that we should do list, like we talked about today. So I hope that these Bible verses were helpful. And please know we have a ton of resources on the website 
loveyourpeoplewell.com. In our communications resources page, you will find a lot of good stuff there. Um, And actually, there are some things in the works that will be coming probably at the end of the summer. Um, Some deeper resources and help there when it comes to communication because it's so big and it's so important. And so there's more coming, but there's a lot of good stuff already out there. And uh, until Friday, my friend, hugs and blessings to you. I'll talk to you soon.